Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the machine. You know, normally we are stuck because of this tyrannical automaton. I thought you were going to say Tyrannosaurus Rex. I was not. <laughs> is that interesting? Isn't it tyrannical? Tyrannical oh, yeah. uh, automaton that I accidentally created, making yes. us watch movies from a specific year each season. But lo and behold, David's brought us here to the 2022 Calgary International Film we're Festival. In the future. We're yes. in the future again. We almost say that we're back to the future. No, we can't. But we can't we'll legally say that. Yeah, yeah. But we get to talk to filmmaker Lindsay McKay about a fascinating film called The Swearing Jar, mm-hmm. which I don't even want to reveal too much about because, you know, it's kind of ruined. There's a jar in it. There is a jar in it. Yeah. And people swear in it. I think that is what we are legally allowed to like, say. Like, do you swear into the jar? Sure. Actually, that is not in it. That's the one thing that's <laughs> that not in it. That would have been, yeah, that would have been. <laughs> that's, what now, that's, a movie. Yeah. that's a movie. Yeah. But thank you, Lindsay, for, for coming over, even though they're, the, you know, scary machine is just ominously standing behind us silently mm-hmm. for the time yes, being. Yes. This is a Canadian film. It is. It's true. This is a, a kind of a weird question to start off with. But, you know, Dave and I have talked very briefly about Canadian film in general. Yeah. Uh, do you feel really like weird? Yes. Well, we're weird? About, yeah. Well, so, Canadians <laughs> love making weird movies. They do. Sex fetishes. I, I, <laughs> I took this course in university on Canadian film specifically. And our textbook was called Weird Sex and Snowshoes. I think I, I, yeah, I went to York University and we also had the same yes. textbook, yeah. And it's uh, it's a fascinating book. I still own it. I still flip through it every now and yeah, then. Yeah, you would. But, but I'm, I'm wondering if you feel like you are, like, do you think about that? Like, I'm making a Canadian film or you're just making a movie? Do you even I don't think know. about it that way? Yeah, I mean, currently I'm thinking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's something in Canadians where there's a lot of, like, identity stuff. Because I think we're all kind of... I mean, all places are a bit of a hodgepodge, but we're all trying to kind of find identity. And I think there's there's a weird, we have a weird humor as well, which I don't know if specifically Canadian stuff to me is generally like coming of age at any age. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. Dave, you can put a a different viewpoint on this if you'd like. The only thing that was like, quote unquote, Canadian about this is when they started putting Canadian bills into the Uh, jar. Like that's like, oh, Well, yeah, yeah, the architecture. I'm from Toronto, so Uh, you see the architecture. I I felt like it was Toronto, but mm -hmm. it wasn't. It was Hamilton and Dundas. hammer. (laughs) Although I heard Hamilton's better than when I was growing up now. It's, I mean, it's people, everyone from Toronto has moved to Hamilton, it seems, because it's the more affordable version. I was there in 97. So uh, I spent... It's exactly the same. No, <laughs> 10 months before I failed out of my first term of university. Anyways. Yeah. Um, let's, no, let's get into that. Let's <laughs> do a deep dive. What, what I will say is like, wherever you, you know, make a film, film is such a collaborative art form. Mm-hmm. Who are your favorite collaborators you've been able to work with so far? Oh my God, so many. Um, yeah, I... I mean, I went to school in the States and I had some amazing collaborators down there that have gone on to to be like Ari Aster, Midsummer. Whoa. Okay. Is a dear friend of mine and I'm seeing the poster. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's been, you know, he was a huge influence on me in film school and um and, you know, continues to be we have conversations. And I met incredible cinematographers down there. And as I came back to Canada and started making features, I found incredible people within Ontario. I've found DPs like the cinematographer that shot the swearing jar. Um, I didn't know before we went to camera. And he's a great collaborator, a insanely talented DP and yeah, this to me it's always just taste is the highest. Like it's the most important. And if they have good taste and we t- 
talk in a kind of similar way, I, I want to take them on the ride with me. I want to, I want to play and yeah. see where we go. I mean, to get snobby for a second, when you say good taste, what does that mean to you? Like, oh, what yeah, is your good taste? Now I'm like, this is impossible for me to describe. Because, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm, before I went to film school, I was like a very, you know, like 90s and 80s uh, film nerd like and like female driven stuff like I loved League of Their Own Fried Green Tomatoes like my I watched movies with my grandmother and then when I went to film school I was like it opened me up to the like kind of the more art house or more European filmmaking Andrea Arnold I and Lynn Ramsey I like remember seeing their movies for the first time and being like oh wow because they're also there's a there's a feminine touch to their filmmaking too that I hadn't seen as well, like the the way the camera moved or the way they used the camera as its own kind of storytelling was really exciting to me. So I don't know. My taste is constantly shifting, like as I see new film, but I I, I tend towards kind of character driven, um, kind of more arty, uh, quieter movies. I don't know if that's, is that no. a taste? <laughs> I think so. I think so. It yeah. reflects, um, I don't know what to call it, empathetic, sensitive approaches to storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not kind of like. Violent. Not violent. Yeah. And also just like, I like, I'd like to see the craft at work for sure. Like I like strong decisions as well, but then I, I also appreciate when the craft kind of seeps away and it is very character driven too. So I'm of two minds of that. Like, like an, an Ari Aster movie is very craft. Like his, mm -hmm. his craft is exceptional or Scorsese craft, you know, like, and then I'm love the Andrea Arnold's where it's kind of floating or the Lim Ranzi's. I don't, so I'm all the answer to the answer to this. I am all over the place. Yeah. You like, you like film. Well, yeah, yeah but because this is your second feature, yeah. uh, your first feature, I think it was originally called Wet Bum. Am I correct yep. in there? And Surfacing, I think, is, is what yeah. is sometimes what it's... It got changed a little oh, bit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in I think in Europe, they in North America, I think they kept Wet Bum. But in uh, the rest of the world, I think we went Surfacing. Doesn't translate well or something like that? Or, or I think it more? was just like a, too offensive, potentially. Oh, in Canada, I think you can see it on CBC Gem is what I noticed. I think so. Anyways, oh, yeah. It's but also available on iTunes. I'm leading up by saying this is that this is not your first feature that you've gone through. Yeah. And sometimes getting that first feature is like this milestone people are working towards. towards. Yeah. Was that a bit of a weight off your shoulders in a way that this was your second feature and I'll have to like prove myself from my first? Yeah, it was It was a completely different experience though because like my first feature I had written while I was at AFI and you know, it was four years, five years trying to get it made, trying to get it made and then managed to convince people to give me money and make it. And then this was like, I have another feature that I've been trying to get made for a really long time that I wrote. And then this just like came across my desk right. <laughs> and people just like reached out to me. Um, and then I interviewed for it a bunch of times and then I was making a movie. Like it just seemed right, almost too right. easy. Like it was financed as well before because there was another director attached who uh, ended up not being able to do it. And so then they were just they had money and then they were just looking for someone to step in. And I was like. It can be this easy. Like, well, I am available. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can do this. Um, so it was it was incredible and and terrifying at the same time because it was like somebody else's project. Like you know they they were the heads of it and they'd been working on it for years and years and years. And then I was the new guy coming in and being like, "So is this what we're making?" Well, that, that was kind of my question as well. That me and Dave always have this argument about auteur theory, but regardless, a lot of auteurs do not write their own films and yeah. they're still considered auteurs. Yeah. 
But is there a big difference for you, like going from writing your own film, directing that film to coming in and be like, this is someone else's vision, quote unquote, or initially, and now I'm putting my own stamp onto it? Yeah, it it was it was different for me. I mean, I had done before this. I had done two seasons of or three seasons of web series that were written. Like the people that wrote it also starred in it. So I had, I'd had experience taking other people's work and bringing them to life, but those were very like everything was very outlined to me in that. Like they had made uh, pitch packages and they had um, done teasers for them to get funded. So I kind of knew the worlds that I was playing in. With this, it was like, oh, I get to create the world, but it's there's a lot of people already in it. And am I creating the same world that we're all thinking? Because the this, the movie is fun. like Kate's a funny writer and like there's a lot of quick witted banter and if you filmed it there's a way that you could film it in a you know more traditionally kind of like even tv or hollywood movie and it would be a completely different film so it was i really had to like figure out with the creative partners if if i was making like am i making what you want (laughs) Um, and that was that was a really really interesting because when you're the when you're the creator of something you know that you're you know and then you're just trying to get everybody else on board you've lived with with it so much longer yeah and And you know it deeply and then everyone on this project already knew the project really deeply and had a vision for it already and so then i had my vision for it and i was like do we all see it the same way? And luckily we do. They're, they're incredibly pleased. And I think it turned out way different than any of them expected it to. But they love how it happened. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about, like, since we're not directors, and this idea of like building the story. So the, the movie, if people are going to watch, it's fantastic. But like even how you pace it because of how the story works yeah. and how it's structured. I think last night we were at the... Uh, at the yeah, Q&A. Yeah. And you brought up that uh, perhaps the original source material wasn't shot in the same sequence or like uh, played out it in the same played, sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much of that is you, <laughs> the editor, the original uh, playwright? Yeah. Is it an organic process? It's fascinating with a movie like this. It is a fascinating. Because I, I, I never saw the play and I never read the play. I have no idea um, what it was. So it was, it was really like Kate did plot it out in the script, kind of how we ended up filming it. There was, we did some shifting of some things and I went, cause before I went to camera, I got to do a few rewrites with her. So we went through the script a bunch and I pulled back a lot of other characters and other things that were at play. Cause she'd gone through other directors. So she'd had other voices also dictating how things go. And so then I was like, okay, I'm here. Let's <laughs> pair all these things back that these other people did, which was great and would have been, I'm sure, a great movie as well. It just wasn't the movie that I was looking to make. But yeah, I think it, Kate had outlined a bunch of it. And then I was trying to figure out the visual language because like in script form, it almost kind of, to me, seemed more obvious. I'm sure for other people it didn't. But in script form, I felt like you could read it on the page. And so I I really needed it to be clear or we all really wanted it to be unclear. And so like, to me, there was about tight, like making it kind of seamless in the way that I was filming it and not giving anything away in the way that I was filming it and kind of using the similar language for every character. So it didn't feel of a different time or when you shoot that, like working with the actors and, and everybody, how much are they involved? Because 
sometimes you hear movies where they're like, oh, we shot it chronologically and everything's got to be this uh, and that. Yeah. It must be interesting to manage, even for the actors, to, yeah. for their expectation, because knowing what the story is. Yeah. It was, it was in this one, it was particularly strange because Adelaide and Douglas had to do the, so Carrie and Owen in the, in the movie, but Adelaide and Douglas are the actors because there's the music element. We had to pre-record all of that before we went to camera. So they got time together before we went to camera and like knew each other better yeah. than Adelaide and Patrick did, yeah. who was playing her husband. Yeah. So that was like a really challenging. So like, and we shot, we, I'm luckily the way that the schedule worked out, Patrick had to be shot first because he was having a baby. So he had to get back to have this baby. So we got to shoot Patrick first. So that worked really well for the story and for the actors. But Adelaide had spent more time with Douglas before we actually went to camera. So she was incredible. And tracking that was, yeah, she did an incredible job of knowing both men kind of in her own way. And Patrick is such a professional and just came in and was like He's a on a genius. It. I watched a lot of suits. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, he was literally uh, a genius <laughs> in that show. <laughs> literally, yeah. Uh, I, we've, we've gone a while here. I think we should just put it plainly. Uh, the swearing jar... I think can maybe be summed up in a question, which is what happens if you fall in love with two people? Yeah, I guess that's Basically true. is yeah. what this movie is. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like about self-forgiveness, like the way in which you move through life and, and choices you make and kind of just owning them and forgiving yourself for them. We, we mentioned some of the actors here already. Yeah, I right. do want to take a bit of time to talk about Adelaide Clemens because yeah. I was... Kind of knocked out by her performance. She's incredible. Yeah. Super incredible. Yeah. Amazing singing voice. Yeah. Is there a way to buy the music by any chance? I think there will be. Okay, okay. I'm trying to get them to also do, like press records because I yeah, would love yeah. it in a record form. Like both the score on one side and then the, the songs on the other. Oh, I but love it. We'll see. But yeah, it's, I think they're going to sell it. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. How early was she brought into the process? Like was she Adelaide. first cast or, or, or not? No, she was... Uh, I think she auditioned like everybody else was um, she came on well because she had to travel in quarantine for three weeks or two weeks and then we had her for I think two weeks before we went to camera but she got the role probably a month and a half out okay or two maybe two months out I could be wrong about this but she yeah she's incredible she she auditioned and there were so many people that wanted this because um, Kate wrote such a great script, not because of me, but Kate wrote such a good script and it's a great role for any female actress or any actor. I, I mean, I don't want to reveal too much, but something that we were mentioning before I push record is that at different moments in this film, I think, <clears throat> at least for me, allegiances kind of shift yeah. as, for, yeah. as far as like who you side yeah. with, quote unquote. Yeah. And that, that has to be a very delicate touch by all the actors yeah. and the writing and directing as well. But it's yeah. a fascinating thing that she is able to navigate the entire run of the film. And, and she she was like, she's the dreamiest, dreamiest. This is all this is, is a plug for everyone to work with. Like, <laughs> yeah, she is, yeah. She's the dreamiest. Like she she did her work and she knew where she was. And, like because it was a complicated thing to film, you know, the storylines and, and track all of where she, her character is emotionally. And she had done so much work and so much prep for it and could just sit, sit in, you know, like it happened. I'd call action and she'd just be there and she was there and, and like everyone loved her. Crew member, like she was just the kindest, most gentle soul. And then like fucking incredible voice. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Oh, yeah. Incredible oh, yeah. voice. Oh, incredible I performance. Be like she's, she's the dream. She's this amazing. is the Adelaide plug. 
Yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. I just visually, I mean, you brought up your uh, DP, but both of you, like I loved the way the camera moves in this and mm -hmm. the, the lighting's fantastic. You know, when you read the script, you've talked last night and today a lot about a script coming across your desk and identifying with it. And then as a director, you have to visualize and turn it into visual language. I mean, is there something that makes that connect with you more powerfully than, like, I'm assuming you read a lot of scripts. I and, don't. And, uh, I wish I did, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is, there's got to be a lot of shitty ones. Yeah. Um, what is yeah. it about this one that kind of made you so excited about it? Because it sounds like everybody who read it wanted a piece of it. So yeah, because Kate's writing was so good. And, like, I had a personal connection to it. And then um, uh, it came across my desk and, and I was like... I guess I should do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this the universe being like? It's time to deal this, with it. You, you, yeah, like yeah. you have to figure this out. So yeah, it was it was that, and then I did a lot. Like when I was interviewing for it, I really like the way that I work with my creative partners. I just wanted to make sure I was gonna make the same movie. So I did a lot of like references. You know, I my personal. I sent like two page basically book about like my connection to the work and the kind of movies that I saw. And just if they connected to the way that I saw it, then I was happy to work on the movie. And they really loved what I was doing and um, or the references that I was referencing. And and they had seen my previous work, so I think they were hopeful of where I would take it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm answering the question. No, but yeah. You, yeah. I think you are. This is completely self-serving mm -hmm. on my part, kind of our parts. But Dave and I are really trying hard to write a script right now. Ooh. We're just pretending. We're just pretending. Um, that's what it is. We just pretend until it's done. <laughs> but, well, maybe that's the answer to the question I was saying. I was going to ask, as far as like scripts that catch your interest or the scripts that you've written, what makes a great script, as, as dumb as that question probably is. Okay, so I, when I went to, I, I really like quiet scripts, so it was hilarious that I took on this script because mm. this script is so much talking. <laughs> Like right, the right. whole thing is talking. And so I was just like, how do I film people in rooms talking to each other? I like slow, slower contemplative work. So when I was at AFI, I had a, a professor that broke down my script because I, you know, I write in large chunks and I write a lot of like description and blah, 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 blah. And he he went through literally page by page, sentence by sentence with me and and was just like, OK, punctuation, enter here. Like that's a shot. This right. is, yeah, yeah. this is, you know, you don't need all of this descriptor. You just need the shot. So for me, it's very like how they read is really important to me. Like if there's an atmosphere and like with the swearing jar, the thing that really stuck out was the characters were so well written. And then it was really on me to create the world. So that was an exciting challenge. When I write my own stuff, it's very the, like I write the world and then like a lead character in that I generally am very like singularly focused. Anyways, yeah. So uh, screenwriting is it's scripts that that have something that you're like, oh, there's something sparkly, or there's like there's a crackle there for you. Uh, I don't know how to explain it any other. There's something that you're like, like in the swearing jar, there was a sequence that I wasn't fully scripted the way it was when we shot it, but I saw something in it, and I was so pumped about shooting it. And so then I talked to the, to Kate and was like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Could we write it this way? And she was like, oh, that's great. And so when I get like an idea and I, there's like a spark of something, I just it makes me more excited about it. <laughs> well, I mean, to that point, I think what, what separates this from maybe some other lesser work is that it would be easier, quote unquote, for the talking scenes to be like, we're going to set up a camera and just, they're just going to talk at each other, yeah. right? 
but this there is a movement. There's a yeah, there's a kinetic yeah. ability to it where they're moving across, or they're moving to each other's space. There's the the camera might be moving, yeah. so it never stays so long as like they're not just just talking. Yeah. There's movement and character happening yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it was really it was because that's really important for me to. I love when things feel alive and real. And so like, I hate when actors are thinking about their marks, mm -hmm. like that they have to be here, here, here. And that's how the shot's going to work to me. It's like, be alive and let me just, that's, I generally am handheld yeah. and like the poor, <laughs> the poor DP I make operate. And I'm just like, let's ride this. Let's go. You're just on the shoulder. And Adelaide was exceptional at that. Like she, she kept things alive. She, you know, she was conscious of where the camera was, but she also was just like in the scene. And then it, it was about me finding ways to capture it and make it interesting. Was there any room for improv in this or the, the, what was on the page is what is on screen? Um, there's like a little bit of improv because yeah. certain things, you know, certain lines dropped. But generally it, it was on, it was written. Yeah. I feel like there is maybe a bit of an elephant in the room which is that this does also have a supreme performance by Kathleen Turner oh, yeah. in the movie. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which was mentioned too last night at our screening too. Yeah. It's like she's impossible to miss in this yeah. movie yeah. because of just her force of nature she as is, she walks. She is Kathleen Turner. Like there's not yeah. like that's who she is. Yeah. I literally turned to Dave and was like, should I start smoking? Is that something I should start to do? <laughs> and like drinking yeah, that's right. liquor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess there is the question there of like, what was it like to work with her? But like, why, why her? Like, why go after her in the first place? What sparked that curiosity? Like, why not? Let's go after <laughs> Kathleen Turner. For sure. Because um, sure. Bev is this like, she is Kathleen Turner. Like Kate wrote Bev so specifically to be, not that Kathleen Turner is grab to you in any way or form, but she wrote, I f like if someone's going to embody Bev, it was like, of course, Kathleen Turner. Right. <laughs> like there's nobody else. And yeah, she's, she's incredible. She's a force. She's like done she's been on way more sets than anyone that had been on our set you know mm -hmm. what i mean she's she's been in this business for so long and at so many different levels of this business as well and to come out to canada and do this like indie feature was yeah. insane and incredible and she was so what was so cool about her was that she was like so supportive of the material and the team and like i'm like a weird artist and i was like you know i don't always tell the actors where the camera is and i'm like filming through screens or through mirrors and blah 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 and she was just like just tell me i just tell me where the camera is and i'll like i'm i'll get behind it because i was so intimidated to be like tell her what was going on i was trying to like direct kathleen turner who directs right, kathleen right. Turner. and then so i just like show her the shot and she would be like oh i get it now cool that's great and i'd be like okay good so <laughs> we're all good and then we really got each other and she yeah she stepped up and was incredible and lived in hamilton for like too much. Jesus. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> like I love the idea of that because I know there has to be someone out there that walked past her and like, well, of course I can't be Ashley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, Actually, it's Hamilton, so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> the mob used to be there. When really? it got cleared out, it became a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very strange place to be. It's a, no offense, Hamilton. No, except, we love yes. you. Hey, thanks for letting us film there. But you're a strange place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just in general, like... Uh, why are you a director? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are, that, are you my father? <laughs> what was Why it? What did is you it, choose uh, to do this? Yeah, it's fun. It's cool. Like we've met uh, another director last year and it's just fascinating to have people that want to create such a complicated complex process yeah like, like why do you yeah. it's so hard why are you choosing to do this um i don't like the honest truth is is like i in high school had a an english teacher who really believed in my writing who was great 
And um, she also was, she she did theater as well. And so she was like, you should start doing theater. And I was like, I don't want to act. Like, <laughs> there's nothing about acting that is appealing to me. So then she encouraged me. Then I started writing plays. Um, and the theater program in my high school, I mean, I had to act a little bit, but they also just really supported me in terms of writing plays and then directing plays. And then I was like, oh, this is fun. How do you make money doing this? And I... Because I didn't want to act. I was like, I'm not going to go to theater school, but I want to do this. And so the only thing that like made sense to me <laughs> financially, which is hilarious now, was, oh, filmmakers, they must make a lot of money. So then I applied to film school having like no knowledge of film. I didn't even understand what editing was or like how movies were made and just applied on pl- like I wrote plays and applied with them and got in. And then fell madly in love. The The people in those programs are so dedicated and so wonderful. And uh, the community is so wonderful. And then just, I did every single job. I've done every single job ever in filmmaking, like, because you have to when you're in film school. And just building and getting to play in that world was so fun. And then slowly discovering that I loved directing. And that was you know something that I gravitated towards in film school. And then I loved writing as well. And so just kind of found my path in it by a lot of support and a lot of people allowing me to do that because it's a pretty bold thing to be like I'm gonna be a filmmaker and then do it it's 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 hard and challenging and I it's because of the community around me that has supported me in that and helped me there yeah the Canadian in me does feel compelled it'd be like i'm a filmmaker i'm so sorry That's yeah exactly right? i'm not i mean i just kind of am i'm sorry i would do that is it, i mean you mentioned the people and being like that big catalyst for you to continue on but it was were there films you were introduced to there too they're like oh like this is what i want to do uh, i feel like the film aspect didn't really happen until afi yeah so when i was at york we like watched movies we watched a lot of canadian like yeah. adam mcgoyan films and <laughs> all of that the was really stuff the yeah. weird stuff the Cronenberg, yeah. I was obviously into it, but it was, you know, I was like into League of Their Own and those kind of movies at yeah. the time. And it holds up, by the way. I was going to mention earlier, but I just rewatched it and it holds up really It does? Well. Yeah. Have you seen the show? I haven't seen the show no, yet. No, I'm a little worried. About I know, it. I know. No, Patrick's in the show, I think. So I need to watch the show. <laughs> oh. But I, lo- I love that kind of filmmaking was what was like the driving force for me to go to film school because I was like, yeah. oh, this kind of like heartfelt stories of the 80s and 90s about like people connecting or overcoming things were like really appealing to me and then um and then I got to film school and was like oh there's weird movies (laughs) (laughs) and those also appeal to me or there's like arty European films that like are very slow and so it opened me up I wasn't I wasn't that and have slowly become that as as I learned the language of filmmaking is there a genre you have not had the experience of making that you would love to jump into? I would love to do a thriller. I was attached to a thriller a few years ago, and I was so sad it didn't get funding. Like my own project, I'm doing a, like a siren movie called Mercy, uh, based on a short film that I had made, which is has a bit of a thrill, thriller element to it, but it's kind of genre romance, a little bit of horror. To me, that's a, it's a really... I would love to try that. I, I, I also would love to do like a, a slow moving thriller, if that makes any sense, like a kind of contemplative, I don't know. I don't know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Are yeah. there still genres? 
Yeah, are there that? genres? Are there genres anymore? They're yeah. like all mixing, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's like, all hutch pudgy. The Steve series, like there's no genres anymore. They all kind of just like what together. comedy can you watch where you aren't being told that life's shit and then you should cry? That's in true. A corner? That's true. <laughs> it's like it's it's depressing, but uh, the yeah, whole world is depressing. <laughs> That's actually. <true. laughs> But for, great point to end on. <laughs> great point to end. But for the swearing See jar, do you, consider, do you consider the swearing jar comedy, or is it more like no, this is a drama that has comedic elements in it? Well, I think that the interesting thing is, is that when they were getting financing, they pitched it as a comedy. Yeah. And then they hired me, so I don't know what they were doing. And I always thought it was a drama. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's to me, it's a drama with smart, funny people. Mm, like right, right, right. They cool. are they are really witty, and it is there are definitely funny moments. And in script form, I think. There were like moments that are meant to be like, this is a laugh, but that's not how I direct. So to me, it was just about it existing in this, like everyone being real and everyone just being smart and witty. It is funny. Like we get laughs, but I think to me, it was always more of a drama. Yeah. It comes out that way. It's really good. I was just thinking like, if you take that script and you get 2000s Adam McKay, then everybody's just- it's all sex jokes and people falling down. <laughs> exactly. I, I would love to see a remake of this with a comedy director. Because <laughs> yeah. there, it is, there is that there. version of that yeah. script. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's in there. I was going to say something and now I've completely forgotten what it was going to be. Great. Yeah, I, I don't actually know what you think about. So it's probably not I was that in important. your brain. And <laughs> no, it just like completely uh, went, went away. I think Kyle was going to ask you about the 80s. Sure. But, uh, do you have a, so I was looking this up. An 80s, 80s movies. Of the 80s. So Dead Poet Society came out in the 80s, oh, apparently. Which I is, haven't watched it in a long time. Either have I. But incredible. Yeah. Captain, my captain. The mm-hmm. Breakfast Club, yes. apparently, which is also Hughes, incredible. Yeah. Now I'm just looking at just random The movie. Outsiders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, do you think that would hold up? I don't know. It's don't been know. a long, long time. I don't know. That's, That's a screener. Like... That's we, we should have a screener. <laughs> I'll watch it and come back and talk about that. And Stand By Me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Stand By Me. I wonder if that holds up. It does. I used to watch that just a couple of years ago. Yeah. I still like that movie Yeah, that's a, lot. a pretty impactful. And it's a period piece, so you don't have to True. worry yeah. about it being in the 80s. It was meant to be in the Doesn't 60s. It? That's what we've kind of... Maybe. Who knows? That's what it... That's what I think we found. This doesn't. It's not like a, a rule or anything, but we find that so much. If something is made like in their time, yeah, it doesn't like, hold up that well. It's about the '80s in the '80s. It has a harder time standing the maintain, test of time. Yeah. Rather than it's like it was made in the '80s, but it's a period piece of the '60s or whatever yeah. it happens to be. There seems to be that bit of distance that is yeah. required. We're doing our podcast season on 1982, and there's so many big, big movies. 19 like E.T., Gandhi, Tootsie. Oh, like it's pretty. Oh yeah. Even there, like talking about intelligent writing, the ones that stay, it's the writing the of the good characters. Writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then all of the comedies where, like we watched Night Shift, right. and it really Falls ages apart. poorly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, well, yeah, you're like, well, that could have like, been funny when people didn't give a shit about, you know, minorities really good. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's the awful thing. It's like even 80s movies that I remember liking, you go back, there's like 60% of, of this is, is good, but then there's all the misogyny and like yeah. homophobia yeah. and transphobia. That they like really go up on because they yeah. think it's funny at the time, right? It's, like, it's like, ooh, yeah. this is really yeah, not it doesn't go well. <laughs> anymore. Uh, I remember what I was going to say finally, Great. which is we recently just watched the movie Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan Genius. for the podcast. Oh, wow. And I don't know if I've seen that, guys. That's one okay. The okay. The only, yeah. One of the greatest, but... It I, is, but to just ro- Ricardo Montalban's chest is on mm. full display. But the, uh, the analogy I was going to make is that the backstory we found out is that the directors of that 
had never seen a single Star Trek thing in his life. Oh, I love that. Before he came and directed. That's why it's the best one. Right. I, well, that was yeah. our opinion. It's like yeah. he didn't had nothing to like. There was nothing like shadowing right. over him. That's he right. just had to create his own thing. Right. Oh, that's and lovely. I think that yeah. that helps out maybe with in your case. Yeah. Like, I hadn't seen the play. Like I didn't know yeah. the songs. I was yeah. just coming as fresh with new eyes to, to yeah. make it. And I wonder if that maybe helped out I think, the new vision of it. I think so. I'm, I'm curious what Kate and the rest of the team would say, but I think so for sure. Like I came in, I came in with a strong vision because for me, it was like, if I don't get this job, I'm not meant to do it. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like, oh, I'll do anything to get this job. It was like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to pitch this kind of thing. If that's what they want, then great. Then yeah, great. Yeah. And I didn't know about the play. I didn't know Kate. I knew Jane, one of the producers. I didn't know the other producers. And I knew one, the actress that was attached at the time. But I, to me, it was just like, yeah, if you guys want what I think I'm going to try and be able to do, then great. If you don't, then don't hire me. Right. <laughs> that's, that's amazing because that's quite a lot of self-confidence, you know? I don't know where it came from yeah, other than... Um, self-awareness. I think it's, yeah. it's just that I know what I can... Like, I know... I know I could have probably delivered the other version of it as well, but it would have been harder for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this was like, I know what I'm capable of doing with this material. And like, there's the other side of that too. Like, I'm also aware of what I'm not capable of doing. So like, if that's what you want, then I'm there's not. other people. Yeah, yeah, I'm not capable of doing that. And I think it's just being aware of, yeah, what your skill sets are and kind of the way in which you see the world and how you can bring something to life, which I'm... Learning. I'm not saying I'm an expert at, but each project I think is like you learn something about yourself with each project and about the way that you like to tell stories and and you're slowly carving out that vision more and more. And I can do other visions too. Well, <laughs> yeah, not to put yourself in a box. Do you yeah. think, you know, with the your generation of directors, with all the new, I don't know if it's a new wave yet, but do you find like, right, so you were a writer first, is that becoming more common with directors? Because I think when we, we did 1971, and particularly pre-2000s, you don't get a lot of directors that are writing their own films. They're like professional directors only, yeah. functionally. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about building this and pairing characters back, I think yeah. Star Trek did the same thing. That guy was just like, we have, you know, uh, simplify and just really distill yeah. the story into what we're seeing on screen. Yeah. Uh, is that something that's been happening more with younger directors where... You know, there's more storytellers instead of kind of like mechanical things. Well, I think the way of getting movies made now, it's like you don't get hired as a director. Like this was a really, really lucky scenario for me. But like it's it doesn't come up as much anymore. Like you don't get hired on jobs at at this budget level. It's generally like you have to write the material and then try and get it funding. Like with my first feature, it was like the only way I was going to get a first feature was if I wrote it. Um, cause people weren't coming to me with features to direct. So it's, I think it's just the way the stepping stone of, of, and, and I, there are other people too that have like co-writers or that work with a, a group of people. And, but I generally, I feel like to get started now, you have to have some type of creative input in the development of the story to get funding, unless you have a killer short or you've done something that's like really great, then people might get behind you just because of your taste or your style but now it feels like you kind of have to be a writer Just build it from the to build from it. The, yeah. say, like the constant advice i keep hearing at all levels is nowadays listen if you want to, to break in or be seen it's like you kind of have to make your own stuff for mm-hmm. a while also now everyone can do it which is great mm-hmm. and kind of horrible 
But like, you know, people are making movies on their phones yeah. and people yeah. are making like there's varying levels of being able to do that. And a lot of people now, like agencies and everybody are like, we need something to sell you on. So we need mm-hmm. like, yeah, if it's stick. the script, we need to know what it is. And we're all commodities now. We've <laughs> <laughs> been that way since uh, industrialism. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. Right. Yeah. Do you have a last question, Dave? I don't know. Um, because you're formally trained in this, we brought up different mediums. So I, this was shot on digital? Or, yeah. Yeah. Do you have like an idea of what that's becoming? You know, film, digital, phones. A what is hell? what is happening pure with hell? media? Yeah. <laughs> in, in, uh, so I, I was watching the iPhone launch and it dawned on me with, it's not the camera that's better, but the AI on, in the phone. Oh. Like street, street photography, I'm a photographer, street photography is dead. Like the idea yeah. of just having a camera, I brought one. Yeah. Taking pictures. People are more suspicious of a camera than a phone. Like if I yeah. hold this up and take 50 pictures of someone yeah. walking by, nobody even realizes it. Yeah. I feel like film's kind of on this precipice too because uh, there, yeah. like you said, there's a lot of people like content creation and yeah. social media. That's happening on these, yeah. So it's not got a lot of weight or no. philosophy underneath it, but is that something you guys are worried about in the I'm industry? Ter- I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified. I, I, like, I started on film. I started mm-hmm. on Super 8. I did 16. My thesis at AFI was on 35. Like I, I love film and I think it's like, also a really incredible way to learn because you buy a certain amount of film rolls and then you have and then that's it. Unless and you're Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> then you can do whatever the fuck yeah, you want yeah. to So you're conscious of the choices. You have to be aware of the choices you're making and you have to be specific about it. And now you can which like has also been beneficial for me every so often, but now you can just like roll all the time and like things can get screwed up and I also just, the way in which, I mean, we all have them. We all have phones. We all need them. But the way in which they've, like, changed how we interact with our self-image is really strange as well. Like, you're always aware of how you're looking or, I don't know, like, kids now know how to pose for photos. Yeah, it's gross. My son's like that. Yeah, it's it's so terrifying. And being on, like, a tour with a movie and, like, my photo getting taken, I'm just like, oh, God, I don't... What do the kids do? How do I pose? I'm like the most awkward human. And like my nieces are like models, you know, like they know the angle. They know how to put out their foot. Like I'm just like (laughs) double chin. It's it changed. We're like shifting as a society. And it's I mean, it's also great. It's connecting us. It's, you know, all of those things. But it's also like tearing us apart. Yeah, it's it's always that give and take, I think. My final question is this. It's kind of more tied to the theme of the movie, but do you yourself believe in soulmates? Oh, damn. Damn, (laughs) damn, damn. I think everyone has to answer this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, in theory, yes, but like where the fuck is mine then? (laughs) Or where the heck is mine then? No, fuck is fine. We say fuck. We say fuck a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's like a certain kind of energy. I think we all kind of carry an energy with us and and there are people that connect with that energy. I don't know if that's necessarily like soulmates, but I think there's, you know, I've had people in my life that I feel very seen by and, um, and that doesn't always necessarily have to be romantic, but I think there are like people that come into your life that are part of you in some kind of yeah, soulish intangible way. Yeah. yeah. Romantic wise. I don't know. I mean, hopefully do you guys, are you guys in relationships now? Let's get personal. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am. I've been with my wife for 22 years. So is she your soulmate? I mean, yes. I think, you know what, I I hate, I blame Huac for this, (laughs) that movies tell us that 
the definition of soulmate is like two people bump into each other and all of a sudden everything's Life's fucking great. great. So that's not that's not real. No. I don't know. I, you know, when you're talking about earlier, not necessarily just that it's platonic, but when you have two people that have some synergy and they yeah. kind of grow with each other, I think that's what's missing in the language of soulmates is that yeah. you're not the same person each day. You never are, yeah. Can't be. Yeah. So if that intertwines, like Helen and I have been fundamentally different. If, if we took a picture of what we were like when I was 23, it's yeah. a fucking joke. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some photos. I, I need to see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, did we grow always in sync? No. You know, there are always parts where we were pushing yeah. against each other, away from each other. What that tie is, I'm, if I could bottle that, we yeah. could sell it, I'd be a fucking rich. You'd be so rich. But that's, uh, I think that's expectations is the problem. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I kind of, have, I think, come to the conclusion of, I am perpetually single. Me too. Uh, so so watch like, too many movies. Watch too many movies. <laughs> the expectation but, for romance is too high. <laughs> well, I think, I think that is part of it. I, I won't lie and say that that's not. But I also kids, really, truly believe you have to be at the right time to yes. when, you, yes. when you meet people. There's been a couple of times in my life, it's like, you know what? Had this been two years later, this would have been, been yeah. in a better place together. But now you're with someone else and I'm not and whatever. It's, yeah. like, it's just not going to work out. Yeah, I'm, so I'm I, a believer in that too. Like there's, there's an energy. There's a shifting thing. And like, if it right. if it sparks at the right time, it sparks at the right time. Right. It's like so that's like the soulmate I'll believe in. Yeah. But I think yes, you, there's not just one person in this entire world that I have to find somehow like that. That I don't believe. Unless in, no. it's I have to go on like a tour of Europe, an eating tour of Europe to discover my human. I sun, I will yeah. do that. I will do that if that's what's required. If <laughs> if my soulmate is right now in Italy and I have to go there, I guess yeah. I will. Yeah. But. I guess yeah. If that's what needs to happen, like eat, pray, love, or whatever. She Yes, right. <laughs> uh, Dave, the, the machine has printed out this nice sheet of paper that apparently you're supposed to read. This episode of your podcast was recorded on site at the Calgary International Film Festival. Now in its 23rd year, SIF brings the best of Alberta, Canadian, and world cinema to Calgary each fall. Sign up for the SIF newsletter at sifcalgary.ca slash newsletter or follow at SIF Calgary on all platforms to be sure you don't miss out on any of the exciting upcoming events. When are we posting this? Because it might be over. It will not be. This okay. is going up this week. So oh, wow. that's why I'm saying that if you are here in Calgary or in the Calgary area, you still have a chance to see the swearing jar. Oh, you do? Great. Which is this coming Friday at 5 p.m. So that's September 30th at 5 p.m. at uh, Eau Claire Market. Uh, you will know where that is if you're here in Calgary. So there is still chance. Oh, yeah. And also great time because then you can watch it and go out and have dinner. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Great time. I I'm know, an early movie kind of lady. I'm at the age now when even if a movie's like 730, I'm like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, Nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. I'll be I used to do like midnight screenings. I'm like, nah. No, no. I can't, I can't do that. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for being no, a guest here. If people wanted to follow and see what else you're up to, is there a way to do so online? Uh, I'm not on Twitter. That's nice. fine. And That's I've been told. quit Twitter too. I've been told by millions of people I not millions. I've been told by two people probably two people. <laughs> that I should get millions no. of people. Close to a million. Poisonous now. I'm on Instagram. I have a private account on Instagram and then I, I've recently created a public one because I don't want people to follow nope. me on my private. I mean, that's fair. Which I'm looking up what it's called right now. <laughs> it's L-A-M underscore writer underscore director. Yeah. And I don't have a web. I'm like a very non-internet human. <laughs> Well, it seems but to be fine. You can find me. You can yeah. find me. There's We're ways here. to find me. You're at TIFF. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's actually SIF you're at, not TIFF. Are we I, here? I'm on the internet and I have shit. Guys, I'm so. a ghost. I'm not actually here. <laughs>